You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. From the kickoff to the shootout, we're amped up, we're ramped up. For a breakaway from a set play, it's a give and go. Hello, everybody, and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian, with me as always, a man who always celebrates against his old podcast. It's Harrison Crow. Say hey to everybody, Harrison. Only when I'm at home. Never yeah. when I'm, never away. Yeah. Never you, away. I don't, <laughs> you know, the, I feel like that there are certain cases where the expectation that a player, like, hold it in is is completely unreasonable um especially in that of like acrimonious kind of departures which i don't i okay so we're talking about diego rubio obviously (laughs) some people kind of cluck their tongues uh at his uh you know enthusiasm uh scoring against clucking of tongues yes yes the clucking of tongues uh I, i don't care about this at all i think it's great celebrate away um you know if you have like a long lasting relationship with the fans and in a club and, and you leave on good terms and you know you score a goal maybe just you know maybe keep it keep a little chill i can see that i can see that but i don't think that diego rubio is like oh man i'm so glad i got traded to colorado no he wanted to make his name there and they said no we'd rather have nobody <laughs> so yeah no, no, number nine than you and so yeah 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 you know you know, uh, yeah, just, uh, just I, I don't think they said they'd rather have nobody, but they, they yeah. obviously said we'd rather have Kalen Rowe, which I, I think you and I both agree that's a he's a superior soccer player. Well, we'll see. I mean, yeah, Rubio, we don't know, we've never known. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that I remember like seeing like Wondolowski didn't celebrate against Houston, and I was like, I don't, oh, right, because we're, wait, aren't they all former? Because like, it, okay. <laughs> You get some mental gymnastics about this sort of thing. And I think that there are plenty of occasions. Like, okay, like if, if like Ozzy Alonso celebrated against Seattle, like, I don't think I could be too mad about that. I don't think that I could, like, say, all right, man, tone it down a bit, you know, because he didn't get his money. I mean, if he was in Seattle, though, I like. I mean, he probably wouldn't. If, if it's what, all right, man. yeah, like you said, it's all context driven, right? Like if it's yeah. in the 93rd minute, um, you know, it, it puts Minnesota in a position to continue to go to the playoffs. Do it, man. But I mean, if it's like five nothing, and <laughs> you're yeah. in Seattle yeah. and you score that goal, and you know Minnesota is still, yeah, it's like you know maybe wave to the fans, you know, acknowledge the fact that you know something happened that was good for you and your team, but you know, kind of keep it. You know, kind of keep it professional. I feel like I saw Will Bruin score against Houston a few times, and he was not at all shy about celebrating. <laughs> that game, oh, that game, uh, the and I, I'll refer to it as the Will Bruin game, and uh, some people might know what I, I'm, I'm just describing here. Mark Kastner certainly does. Um, he scored, what, two goals um, against Houston, and he celebrated both of them pretty epically, I don't if think- I recall. I feel like he sort of left Houston 
acrimoniously. I feel like he kind of, you know, left town with both his middle fingers up, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think, I think well, two thumbs up, right? Yeah, and two thumbs up for Will Brown because that's what he does. So, I mean, my <laughs> ruling on this is, like, context, people. I don't have a problem with Diego Rubio doing it. I, I don't think that there was enough of, a, like, a... I mean, it's not like he owes SKC anything. They didn't no. really, like... It's not like they believed and, him. They and again, it's not he's not yeah. doing it in front of SKC fans. He's he I mean, it ended up being something really good for him and his team. They went up on Sporting Kansas City. I think yeah. that that was a much needed, you know, three your, points. Your first at that goal, point. Your first your first goal for your new team. You know, you gotta, you gotta throw down that exclamation point, you know? This is uh yeah. you only get one. You only yeah, get do one. you Diego Rubio. Do you this, this podcast supports Diego Rubio. We'll be selling bumper stickers and T-shirts, um, you know, proclaiming that's for for you and your family and friends. Sorry, SKC people. Um, man, besides, SKC has bigger things to worry about. They're our last remaining hope. There, there, there. Let's not let's not do that because look, if it was mm-hmm. if SKC wasn't there, if it was New York Red Bulls, they wouldn't be our last. Re- Same with Atlanta. Mm. Look, Sporting Kansas City is kind of lovable right now. Because they have defects, and when team teams have defects, you know they kind of appear to be that underdog, right? Yeah. And, and rightfully so, they are an underdog comparatively to the rest of Lee well, and Maxi's teams. But I mean, come on, let's let's not play this, you know, MLS for SKC. You don't uh, believe in the MLS mont- ha- no. hashtag MLS for, for no? I mean, you know me, CCL? I I kind of have a I, I I support various teams for certain reasons. Like I yeah. I really do like SKC as a team. I yeah. really enjoy watching them. But look, they aren't. It, this isn't no MLS for SKC, you know, type CCL mantra. Teams want to be the first. There are a lot of teams out there. And if I was an Atlanta fan, if I was a New York Red Bulls fan, if I, you know, if I was LAFC even, I feel like I would be, I would want my club. (laughs) Probably not. Well, even Houston. I mean, like there, there used to be some bad blood between Houston and SKC, right? Like there used to be a little bit of, a little bit of heart, heartburn in the Brad Davis years. So I, you know, look, I, I would say that there's probably more to, reason to root against SKC if you're an MLS quote-unquote fan than for them but that being said SKC is a really exciting team and you know what everybody's going to turn tune in to see what happens and you should yeah do you think that we could come up with a metric for likability like you know how uh that's uh, like you have watchability watchability, right yeah those will go up at the end of the month those aren't the same things, like necessarily. Like, no, no. Like Atlanta's watchability is really high, but their likability is really low. Well, right, because year. it's well, it, it it comes across as well. Same with Montreal. I feel like there there's a lot of Montreal fans that kind of uh, kind of spewed some stuff out. Uh, and same with Orlando, um, spewed yeah. some stuff out. Well, this having, past. having Dom Dwyer on your team knocks your likability index like really low. Like that's right, but a hard these thing are to do these are like game. it's hard to quantify that. Like yeah. right. Um, cause every team yes. probably has one or two domed wires. They just maybe aren't necessarily as pivotal, uh, to the team success. Yeah. But I think if you charted SKC's like ability, like you'd see a huge bump as soon as he got traded. Like it just went like, whoop. it was, uh, it was, a uh, it wasn't a dead cat bounce, but it was like another thing. It was a, <laughs> a, a, a post wire bounce. And, you know, maybe they're still, maybe they're still floating up there. It's an interesting idea. Uh, certainly everyone it's definitely not um, objective, you know, completely. No. 
Um, at all. But, it, but if we don't make this index, who will? And you know what the answer to that is? Audi or Castrol. So we got to get in there first. Or, well, I, I, I would actually, I'd raise you a bleacher report. Bleacher Report might do it. <laughs> I feel like that's a bit, like Fox Steve, Sports would Steve definitely Nash. do a sli- would yeah. do a slideshow on this. Fox Fox Sports, yeah. So it's almost our responsibility to do it. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. No promises, everybody, but we'll try to get a, a likability index someday. That's what everybody really wants to do. That should be yeah. on my like narratives column. Like that's where that belongs. It's just a weekly like that is exactly index. where that belongs. Oh, in your Am I gonna have to do it? Yeah. <laughs> it. I like how you were like trying to get this to be like an ASA thing, yeah, and, then and then it realized, backfired. Like, no, I've got to do it myself, <laughs> and I can just come up with whatever criteria I like. And that way, I, I don't have to like justify it to anybody because I guess be like, well, I don't like Tom Dwyer, so he's obviously not going to be high on my list. Um, yeah, you know. Uh, three weeks done. We've done three weeks of Major League Soccer. Everything kind of going nicely. Not a lot of not a lot of we bad can, things to say about the league right now. Only thirty-one games left, uh, so we can pretty much come up with uh, certainties, right? Yep, yep. I think two weeks was a bit early. Three weeks, we have all the information we need uh, to Agreed. see how everything's going to go. Um, I don't know. Is there was there anything in this list last? Uh, round of, of MLS that you saw that made you just kind of like raise your eyebrows a bit that made you maybe change your mind about a things like I don't think change, a different tune I don't think we're going to change any minds there's definitely some things that I, I'm not skeptical on the Sounders but the other side is like they, they've they've had a couple of games uh now that they've allowed a lot of xg so i don't know so i guess things i'm kind of keeping my eye on i think uh chicago is mildly interesting just because they likewise have piled xg on some teams and you know Mm. while they haven't necessarily come away really successful that game against la you know they they definitely and and, you know they got gaitan now so i mean that's gonna be interesting yeah that's true um certainly uh i think like I, one of the games I watch, you know what I don't like doing is watching NYCFC play games at Yankee Stadium and making proclamations based on it. It's really hard. Yeah. Even though they play half their games there, I just never feel like anything that goes on in those games makes a lot of sense to me. Um, it is a little weird. I'll, I'll give you that. I watched that DC game last week and I felt the same way. And I think coming out of the game with LAFC, it felt very similar. Yeah, but like almost polar opposite. <laughs> yeah, but the you know if they get their new striker guy, like Mitria looks good. This could be a good team again. You know, maybe maybe we shouldn't have written off NYCFC so soon. I don't think we did. I mean, we didn't. I meant like the global we is like the MLS. Yeah, community. I mean, I don't think they're gonna be. I don't think they're trending towards the the top elite like they were. You know, mm-hmm. what a year ago they were looking towards to being an MLS elite club. I don't think they're they're there now. I think they could be, you know, uh, one of the better teams in the East. But I don't feel like that's saying very much. Yeah, uh, it looks like a, a West West world so far, um, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting. Which is a nice little flip of the script. Uh, definitely, I think, you know, we're all just bit part players in Bradley Smith's world, Harrison. We're all players in the world's a stage, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, we do have uh, one of these kind of quasi-international breaks where some teams are taking a break, some teams aren't taking a break. Um, and that means that it's time to get upset about the U.S. men's national team. And, you know, this is my most favorite thing to do. Uh, is combine 
My I'm actually favorite. surprised you you put this know, on you I put know. this well, on this our, is, our talking point. Yeah, list. well, okay. My two favorite things to talk about, if you know me, are the United States men's national team and tactics, theoretical tactics when it comes to soccer, which you're being completely sarcastic with. Yes. Um, that being said, uh, I feel like the biggest thing I've seen people uh, mad about this week, or not mad about, but just discussing uh, openly. Um, is Tyler Adams and what to do with uh, the former Red Bull, uh, the young lad. Um, <laughs> uh, he's not a prospect, yeah, but like, what exactly yeah. do you call him? Well, so this kind of brings me back like overall to my like overall kind of thing with this topic. So the idea is that, okay, Greg Berhalter is presumably going to use this, this system again in which uh, we see some fullbacks kind of invert and become midfielders when in possession of the ball except not always and not both of them but just one of them and that one person's Tyler Adams but when defensively like if you position him tactically like he'll be kind of in the bottom right most defensive part therefore nominally a right back um, therefore kind of robbing us of his uh, ball hawking ability in the middle of the field and so people are just like why are you doing this with Tyler Adams when you could just play him in midfield which is where he's good and I don't I don't really know what to say about this except that I think that there's like a lot of confusion when it comes to saying something like this is a right back because like no one's like Greg Berhalter isn't going up to Tyler Adams and being like okay you're a right back but now hear me out you know he's explaining his role like you're going to be here you're going to kind of move here when the ball's in possession and I think that we end up having these conversations and I don't know. It just feels like it's pointless to me because I don't think that, like, we're using the same language or terminology that the coaches and players are. And we're just trying to like look at something that's really hard to define and define it very quickly and make it like consumable for or easy to understand for like a TV audience. Do you know what I mean? No, absolutely. And, and like you said, it's, it's kind of not like a binary situation, right? Like this is this isn't necessarily necessarily the right. This isn't necessarily wrong. I think that you kind of break it down into small pieces and I think that's the best way to do that and basically say what are the attributes that Greg Berhalter is going to be looking for in this context right um, he's looking for somebody that's going to be a ball winner he's looking for somebody that's going to be a disruptive force especially when it comes to the counter attack he's going to be looking at guys that can be good distributors because let's face it um, fullbacks as uh, at least so we see in the context of major league soccer hold a lot of possession throughout the game. So these are the three things that we want to identify with a right back. Well, those three things just happen to be the three things that we most often associate with Tyler Adams, right? So Yeah, well, but the issue I think is that he's not is that in this shape. And again, this is just amorphous right now and it's theoretical, but the I, I want to say like what the people are objecting to is not those ideas, but the idea that when in defense, when the U.S. doesn't have the ball, he will be out of that midfield role, breaking up attacks and doing that thing that he's straight. He's going to be more pinned back. Sure, but if you maintain a larger percentage of the ball, Aha. you're going you're gonna to be dealing with that less frequently. But that's all well and good against bad teams, but against good teams, it's really hard to hold on to the ball a lot. It, it, it can, but you have to ask yourself how frequently is that going to occur, right? We mo mostly you're going to be a team that's going to boss the game around. I mean, let's 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 be but objective. You also have you're to in ask yourself. Calf. Okay, 
All right. You're going to be going against CONCACAF talent. And yeah, so we're going to play a couple South American teams, right? Yeah. And But really, the U.S. should, in every respect, have an opportunity to win those games. They really should. Yes. But I would counter with, yes, in most games, you will. But in important games against good teams you need to beat to be successful and bigger and better things, you may not be in that possession. Because, like, okay, this is just... This is just like a weird kind of light version of Pep Guardiola. Like, let's just say that. That's yes, what's going on. Absolutely. Um, you know, Pep or at Guardiola. At least that's is, how that's how I understand it. I don't know a lot about what's going on. Yeah, there, you know, like, it's it's what it is. But Pep Guardiola's teams are they kind of have a distinct advantage to other teams in that in ninety five percent of games that Manchester City is going to play, they're going to have the eleven best players on the field. Um. I don't think that that is necessarily the case for the United States men's national team. I don't think it has to be. Okay. Right. Like, well, so, I mean, let's. I mean, let's, it's fine. Let's... Like, it, it, there's, no, there's no. Okay. Like, to be clear, there's no way to like. I can say like it won't be fine. It could be fine. It could be fine. Well, it, it, well, in uh, let's say let's say um, let's look at the alternatives, right? If yeah. you are to try to fit Tyler Adams into that central midfield. It's kind of busy, and there's a lot going on in terms of talent and trying to fit people in there. There are a lot of options, and moving Tyler Adams to right back makes, A, that position better, and B, opens up another spot for a better, maybe more suited individual. And let's also acknowledge the fact that we don't have a lot of wingers going for us, and DeAndre Yedlin hasn't necessarily been a great right back defensively, and that seems to be a pretty pivotal role when we start playing better teams. Yeah, but I mean, I think... Tyler yeah, Adams isn't going to get forward. He's not going to be overlapping. He's not going to be cutting into the box, scoring on a season average, scoring double-digit goals. He's going to be someone that's going to be pushing that attack forward, pushing that line of just basically... Um, where that offense meets the defense, he's going to be pushing that line further up the field. And the hope is that we're going to win more balls, turn that attack around quicker, much like how the New York Red Bulls attack um, with a little bit more cleaner style, less chaotic um, is. And that's how we're going to win games. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of roughly how things are looking at. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know that you pick up like a lot of. I I don't know that I think that you pick up like a big talent boost at right back. I mean, I again, do. this is diff. It, okay, but again, this is difficult in like this because this isn't really a right back. This is like a pseudo right back half the time. So then, uh, what what the other half is he? I mean, let's let's well, just say he's a center, his, he's a central his, defensive it, midfielder. Yeah, it's his good position, the one that he plays. So, in. so why are we upset? We're upset because he only plays the because position you're taking he's best. him out of it half the game. Yeah, but the other half of the game. Uh, all right, so you're taking him out of that half the game, and you're saying, "Hey, go ahead and mark one of the three top player positions on the field." So when we're playing Brazil, their wingers which are going to do a lot of the creation. And let's just face it, in today's era, that wide position is what's doing a lot of creation. 
So now you're taking one of our top defenders and you're saying, no, 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 no. Instead of getting forward and instead of having responsibilities, both in the central midfield area on defense and attack, we actually want you to specifically look at one of those two best positions for the attackers, for our opponents. That's, that's how I look at it. I think it's an interesting experiment. I, I, I think that's exact. I think that is the best thing that you can say. It's an interesting experiment coming up with anything more grand or deducing this any further without any sort of real, um, concrete proof and to be perfectly honest it's going to be two games so if he's really good it's a small sample size if he's really bad it's a small sample size it's i think a lot of the pushback and i get it i do get it a lot and i want to like say that i'm not i'm not seeding that this is a great idea um it's just like i think coming from like one of the big criticisms of the clinsman era was like, why are these people not playing their positions? Like, why do we have to be so clever right now? Like, why are we, like, sacrificing? Like, you can okay. say it's not a sacrifice. I, I, I don't necessarily see that the same way you do is, but, like, uh, maybe you trust Greg Berhalter more, but I can just see why people are just like, come on. Yeah, but I don't feel like this. that's the same thing. Number one, we talked about this ad nauseum with Nick Lima, like how clever it was for Nick Lima to, to basically, he wasn't getting forward. He was playing a little bit more, you know, subvertive with the, with the atta- uh, against the opponent's attackers and, and dropping and cutting into that back uh, central def- uh, midfield uh, in a defensive type archetype. So, I mean, that that's exactly what like Matt Doyle and some of the different, some of the different, you know, individuals have discussed been discussing for him as a role over the last six months maybe even as long as 18 months and i don't feel like this is i i don't feel like this is out of left field this isn't um it, this isn't trying to play weston mckinney at right back right like that's not the same thing to me yeah but weston mckinney is a guy that's going to get forward he's going to be a little bit more important when it comes to that final third that's my opinion. I think Tyler Adams is going to be much more important when it comes to transitionary play and winning that ball and that line of confrontation. That's where I want Tyler Adams. If only there was a, you know, if we came up with this idea like five years ago, Brad Evans would have been perfect for this role. That's that's not a lie, <laughs> Brad. I mean, let's face it, Brad Evans probably was never really best suited for the u.s men's national team but like in the in the scale of how he would have played right back um and he did play right back for a year with the sounders and was really good at it and for the u.s men's national team was pretty good at it too he he was he was okay i feel like this would have been a better more suited to his his skill set right yeah so yeah right a right back that could just tuck up in the midfield and play comfortably there for a few minutes and then go back to being a right back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different than like, say, uh, you know, Miguel Obara as a right back, right? Miguel Obara, you're hoping gets forward a little bit more. You're hoping your defensive midfielder tucks in on that back, right, uh, right back, you know, type role a little bit more frequently. And you're hoping for a little bit more width and, you know, in the attack. In this case, we're hoping for a little bit more, um, so when I first saw Nick Lima 
Nick Lima's first game in MLS was against San Jose, or excuse me, was in San Jose against mm. Montreal, and he just zeroed out uh, Ignacio Piatti. Piatti got less than 20 touches that entire game just because uh, for the entire game, Nick Lima was either in his back pocket or just kind of had a tactical beat on him. And uh, this is kind of where I feel like Tyler Adams will kind of fit in only more on a, uh, you know, international scale. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, this, I, is, yeah, this is why we watch the games. I, I see, I can see the interest. I can see why people are like, um, you know, interested in this whole thing. I can also see why people are just like, just play the good player in his good positions so that he can be there all the time. Idiots. I can see that side of things too. Um, it just seems like, I don't know, man, tactics, tactics on the internet and soccer and the way we discuss it just feels very well, inefficient to me. And like, I, I get like, like, my, cause like, and I get it because you're just trying to make something that like, okay, it's like explain something on TV real quick because I love soccer and listening to someone talk about right backs for 10 minutes makes me want to die. And like, I could see like to an average viewer, they would just be like, what which is where is he going to be like there, there are positions on the field which one is he in and so i think we're kind of like just missing a lot of the nuance in this kind of conversation and it's very hard to have an efficient with the language we use to describe like formations and things like that which is a bigger well, point that maybe has nothing to do with this but just something i'm thinking about well, while we're talking uh, about it i think i think you're nailing it right in the head right like formations is something that you know the average fan is going to look at and have presented to them that that to them speaks to the intentions of the team um when in reality we we don't know the the intentions we don't have any insight you know uh tab Roma, ramos uh about a year ago said some really interesting things um about tyler adams and it was that you know he was asked what did you think and this was on the uh um what was it? Uh, uh the total soccer show he was being interviewed by daryl and he said very simply i think tyler adams best position is the number 10 the reason for that is in tab ramos's system the 10 basically is responsible for that high line of confrontation and doesn't have a creative role in the final third, right? It's, it's a holistic effort. It, it speaks to the fact that whether you play a 10, whether you play an eight, whether you're playing the two, there are tactical nuances and there's instructions that are going to change. Michael Bradley is a really good box to box, you know, uh, kind of quasi eight six guy under Klinsman. Klinsman saw him as a 10 and I don't know if he ever really articulated why he saw him as a 10 or why he wanted him to be in that role it's understandable at this stage that people that follow the U.S. national team are feeling almost like as you said play the player where they're best at but I think in this case, I think this is an exception to that feeling, right? I feel like he has the potential to be there. And I, th- I don't think that it's it's as ludicrous as kind of what we saw during the Klinsman era. But y- you never know. We're, we may look back on this in, in two, three years and be like, what was he smoking? Why didn't he just play? We wasted uh, an entire year of experimenting with this. When in reality, if he would have just done the simple thing and played the player at what he was known for, this would have gone so much more smoother. This would have been a smoother transition time. There's like a, 
I think that there's like a, a bias towards this kind of cleverness that we see. Um, you know, people just like they really want to get into the nitty gritty of like tactics and you know that kind of analysis. They're just going to kind of like go like, okay, this is clever, this is cool, this is neat. And then there are like this other school of thought where, and I think there's a value to somebody just saying like, no, just play the players in their normal positions, and like we've got good players, so like let's just. I'm just going to get out of their way a little bit. And I think that there's like value in that skill set as well too. Um, so I, it's an interesting, like you, you do see both philosophies kind of clashing heads like very hard on this particular kind of issue, which is why I think it's been such an interesting one to, 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 to follow. Uh, it the last it two is. Weeks. It yeah. is. And, and I, I have a personal ethos and I'll just, I'll, I'll I think you kind of know it already. And most people, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you kind of know where I stand in this. I think positions are a lie. Yeah. I really do. I think are positions no, are a lie. I think it's not a thing. No, look, um, we <laughs> it's what we gravitate towards. It's yeah. what we like. It, it's it's comforting to us in a lot of ways because it helps um, tell us what to expect um, in some capacity, right? Like if it, you know if um, Neman Nikolic is going to be a forward, we know he's going to generally reside in that top half. Uh, and not just the top half, but really he's not going to touch the ball until it's in the final third, right? Like we have those mm -hmm. expectations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think part of that is that he's expected to be the goal scorer and, and it's not, it, it's so much more simpler and that's where, that's how he likes to operate. He wants to sit in the final third. He doesn't, maybe he's suited a little bit to, uh, to a little bit of hold up play, but it's not like he's going to find a lot of those uh, those creases to help uh, other players run through uh, through the lines in the central uh, defense. I think you're going to look a little bit more for him as your. As soon as he gets the ball, he's going to take a shot. Right? He's the final. Yeah. He's the final pass. He's the final something. Like some either he's going to turn the ball over, he's going to score, or he's going to miss on the shot. Like it, these are three true come uh, <laughs> three true outcome type players, and yeah. as we have them in baseball, and I think that it in the end you have different players that like to facilitate and feel different, feel varying levels of comfort in different areas and facilitating different aspects of the game right yeah I, I i agree i agree i think that kind of gets back to what i was saying and i think this is why it's hard for even players and coaches to kind of communicate to people that are just looking are used to looking at something like okay you know when i play fifa like players all go in these spots like i have to put a player in each box on this field i have to put one here 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 and here and if I put one here, 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 or whatever, or like when I look at a lineup, you know, like, okay, I need to fill these things because if I don't have anybody on this side of the field, that's going to be an open side of the field and that'll look stupid. So like, let's make sure that like when we set things up, you know, like ahead of time, like we've got a nice little balanced, everyone's everywhere kind of thing. Um, you don't want to see my asymmetric lineups on FIFA. Ugh, no, I, I don't. I don't ever. Um, <laughs> but like... <laughs> But I, I think that like when coaches are communicating this to players, I think it's less like right back, right wing, more just like here's your role. And so maybe the most honest thing that we could do is like take an hour before the game and like spend 30 minutes on each team explaining what every player's role will be and how they'll fit in with the grander whole of things. And that will be like a correct, more holistic um, analysis of, of what the coach is going for. But since that's not likely, we just kind of like, throw a lineup graphic up there and then the rest of us just kind of have to like if we're that lucky yeah if we get that even which is usually wrong 
So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, these are big issues. We're not going to solve them today. Um, you know, my personal ethos is like, would Jesse Marsh do this? And I don't know. I don't know. If Jesse Marsh would do it, I'd be okay with it. Until I know for sure I can't sign off on anything. Jesse Marsh has done it before. I know, but he chose to do it. Not He chose not to do it often. He chose to do it. That's true. Fair enough. Uh, um <laughs> and since I don't know, and so like as far as I'm concerned, there's one good MLS coach, and he doesn't coach in MLS anymore in the whole American sphere of things, and it's Jesse Marsh. Uh, I'm joking. Uh, all right, let's talk more about coaches because we're so good at it. Obviously, uh, one of the things uh, that I have uh, I got curious about was FC Dallas watching them play, and I was it's looking kind of at a tactical uh, game there against Columbus, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, but I was very surprised because back in, you know, I think FC Dallas's sort of, um, you know, heyday, as you were, the, the Fabian Castillo days, the days when Kellen Acosta was good, um, you know, they were like a very low passing team. Like, we didn't see like a ton of usage race on that, and they moved the ball forward differently. And I looked at their numbers because I got curious, and boy, they're passing a lot more than they used to. Like, a lot more. 200 more passes per game. Yeah, lots, lots. Um, and I thought that this was, like, a pretty violent shift. Like, you don't really see this happen a lot. But they have a new coach. Um, and so I thought, like, oh, well, we have a lot of new coaches this year in Major League Soccer. Like, can we see if any of these kind of stylistic changes have brought fruit? Or, like, if there are big stylistic noticeable changes? Um, or is there something that's just kind of like, they're just kind of staying the course a little bit? Well, so, and understanding like stylistically is different than uh, like operation, right? Yeah, of course, of course. We can only like look at so much within like our numbers, right? Um, absolutely. Well, I mean, we can we probably look pretty deep, but it, I don't I don't think the listeners at home would 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 love to listen to us, uh, and, you know, get too nitty gritty. But you know, stylistically, yeah, there's there's some interesting things here. So um, here's what I'm going to propose we do. Because we talked about Tyler Adams a lot longer than I intended to, which is fine. It's a fascinating kid. <laughs> Let's start with a team other than Atlanta, and if we get to Atlanta, we'll work our way. We'll we'll go back to Atlanta because that is a horse that does not to be need to be beaten again necessarily. So let's. They've been beat a lot. We've yeah. We don't we don't need to beat up on Atlanta right now or discuss them. Let's talk about FC Dallas since I brought him up. Um, now uh, again, these are just these are kind of like raw numbers. I mean, like we don't have like there's a lot going on under the hood here, but th these are the specs. These are the specs we have for you. Um, now uh, they've got four points out of their first three games, which is not terrible, not bad. Um, we've seen like a 32% decrease in shots um, so far. Like in 2018, it was 14.2. In 2019, it's 9.7. That's not a small decrease. Um, it looks like, uh, like what are we looking at? like a two percent decrease in shots outside the box, which is something. But it went from like five point seven to three point seven. Yeah, that's pretty marginal. I mean, anything less than twenty five yeah. percent, I pretty much uh, throw out as you know. I mean, it's three games, right? Yeah, 20, yeah. It's pretty easy to influence twenty five percent at this stage. Yeah, and you got home and away splits that aren't really great right now either. So, um. And then passing-wise, though, they went from 433 passes a game in 2018 to 652 passes. That's a 51% increase. Like, that is worth... That's That's massive. not a fluke. Yeah. Um, 
so I guess what I want to ask is watching this is like, what, what do you think about this? What do you think about this, the way that Dallas is playing now? Does this suit them? Does this suit their personnel this year better? Or, or was this like a, a philosophical kind of like something that Lucci brought in to like, no, we need to pass the ball more. So I think it's twofold, right? I think that it's a result of some of the personnel changes that they've, that they've made organizationally. But I think that it's also about, you know, the players that they have at their disposal, right? Uh, Paxton Pomichol, you know, Brian Acosta. They they have these players, uh, Carlos Guezzo. Um, they're, they're trying to make use to it. And right now they have this thing, you know, the triple pivot as what, you know, um, I think... I'm not. Pivot. I don't know. Did Bobby Warshaw coin that, or did that? Was that a? Is that an Elliot thing? I've seen. Know. I've seen both of those guys uh, provide content on it. And I, both of it was fantastic. But um, yeah, essentially, and I, I have no idea. Uh, I really, um, I don't understand the tactical nuances of how that all functionally works. But I think that the reason for that change comes about both from the ideas of Lucci. And I think it also comes, uh, comes about stylistically with the players that you, that you're primarily, uh, kind of morphing into. Cause you got to think you've changed two out of the three, you know, pieces in that. Yeah. No, central midfield. You've yeah, changed, yeah, yeah. you've changed that attacking front, um, and what that looks like. Um, so yeah, uh, that's not too surprising. I think the one thing that they, that, you know, with their shots being down, I think that's it. 32% is rather large. And like I said, 25%, I'm willing to kind of bend on up to 25%, you know, throw it out. But 32% is kind of like, I, I raised my eyebrow at that and I went back through and, you know, I was starting to look at these games, right? Like, you know, uh, they didn't do so hot against new England to start off. They didn't do uh, great uh, this past week against uh, Columbus. Columbus had 0. 0.0 or they only managed 0. 0.05 at halftime expected goals. Off yeah, of one I saw shot. that. Columbus just shut them down in that first half. Absolutely. It was, it, it, it just was a remarkable feat. And, you know, Dallas came back and, and kind of made it, you know, definitely made some, created some opportunities, made a, made a game of it. But, um, you know, aside from being at home against the Galaxy, um, you know, I, I right now I'm a little bit, I don't know quite what to make of them. Yeah. And it's, again, it's still very early days, so this could all just be, you know, we're seeing the sculpture before it's done. We're kind of looking at the shape and trying to figure out what this is supposed to be. And, you know, certainly patience is, is urged in all cases like this, but... Uh, I, I've seen just some pretty, um, uh, not, I, I won't want to say like, not, I don't want, this kind of has like a, a negative pejorative to it. I don't intend that, but like a little bit of a, uh, kind of like a, a whiplash reaction from FC Dallas supporters who are just like, what is, what is going on with this team? <laughs> like, this is very different. Um, and I think more so than just about any team, uh, that I looked at today, I think this is the one where there's like the, the most stark, um, kind of, uh, uh style change just like a, a way of approaching like ball possession and ball movement so um yeah so well, far it, it's 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 not been great but it, it's not and like you said it's not even just that they're passing more frequently right their their long balls are, are down by four percent they're they're not just chucking the ball down they're, they are intent uh to possess the ball and possess it through short passes right um they're they're 
operating more towards the right and right central than they have previously. They, they're kind of leaving the left a little bit to still do its thing, but primarily they seem like they want to build a path through that right, uh, through that right center, uh, channel. So it, it, it'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, this is through three games, just like you said, and it's not to be, you know, Oh, this is how they're operating. You know, it's three games. So this is, this is a small, um, little bit, but it, it is rather, um, it is rather unique for this organization and for these, uh, for this team that hasn't turned over a ton of its roster, right? The midfield was was the pretty much the the one thing with losing Victor Ioa and then still trying to deal with uh, Mauro Diaz uh, transfer from last year. Um, you know, this is this is what they look like now. And that's okay. You're okay, FC Dallas. You're okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> I guess the Columbus, they're, they're, uh, we were just discussing a little bit, we're another team that's gone through a coaching change. Uh, Greg Berhalter, who we've discussed uh, ad nauseum on this podcast, and now uh, cometh Caleb Porter. And <clears throat> looking at kind of the differences between last year and this year, like uh, from kind of numbers, not a lot, not a lot of difference. Um, we do kind of have a big shot drop, but again, it's early enough. I'm not super concerned about that. 14.6 shots per game last year, 9.7 this year. Um, <clears throat> certainly, um, you're seeing a lot less shots from outside the box, which makes sense from a Caleb Porter team that, you know, they're going to really, really work hard at working that ball. Um, uh, there's like a slight uptick in passing, uh, like 15% up so far this year, 464 or sorry, 484 to 558, uh, a little bit less, uh, crossing, which is something that we both appreciate. <laughs> um, uh, but, but mostly this is a pretty... This is not. This isn't a huge change. There hasn't been a huge shift here. Yeah, old boss meets new boss, same boss. Um, however, that saying goes. Uh, yeah, look, they're they're definitely still leveraging Will Trap. They're still leveraging uh, Harrison Offal. Um, they're still making use of you know Federico Iguain and Arter. Um, I think yeah, that would be crazy not to do. Yeah, absolutely. So right now, uh, I I think that this is. Um, just functionally a little bit of a twist on what they had been doing previously. And, and the one thing that I can say is I think that they're a little bit better defensively so far. I, I think at least early on what they did against the Red Bulls, albeit that was with, you know, a Red Bulls two team, um, what they did on the road against New England. Um, and then again, what they did against Dallas this past weekend. I think right now they're showing uh some definite signs of life in terms of uh, defensively and then uh, on the attack you know they've they've been there you know maybe not great but um you know, yeah it, i don't think there's like a lot to break down here i mean this is no more or less the same uh personnel you've had um they're doing a lot of the same things i think that porter kind of came in saw a system that was working saw some things you could tweak maybe a little bit defensively and so far it's worked out pretty good for them which is more than and, i would have expected so. and i would have i i think that and, and this might be kind of a hard pill to swallow i don't think caleb porter's as different from greg berhalter um stylistically and and personally as we would want to make it out to be yeah all right, let's move on to the Vancouver Whitecaps, and this is where my credibility is on the line. Zero points from three <laughs> Dang it. Uh, okay, so this one was – I was disappointed reading through these uh, today. Um, I'm going to urge, again, patience 
with Mark Dos Santos. Give him some time. Yeah, Mark Dos Santos redid an entire life. Yeah, this is and a then, whole different thing. And then on top of it, he's <laughs> teaching a brand new system to an entire roster. But it looks, and the numbers, fundamentally about the same. Uh, um, stylistically, yeah. Um, I will say they We have exactly been, the same amount of crosses this year last year. And I was just like, no, I wanted the crossing to go away from Vancouver. But here we are. Yeah, but all right. So you say that, but yet, you know, their yes. passes have increased, right? They're, they have. They're, yes. they're pa- doing more small Very connected passes. Yes. And Less so, of a percentage, yes. I mean, passes in and of itself has gone up. So, I mean, yeah, they're still right. possessed. They're doing more in possession. They're not just booting the ball and and hoping right it's not it's not carl robinson necessarily but i i really think this defense is worrisome right um houston threw up almost uh three and a half well yeah a little over three and a half xg against them on the road um real salt lake one and a half on the road uh and then at home uh the loons threw up almost two and a half on them this is not great like uh look you know, I could see Houston at home. Okay, I'll give you a pass. But the loons on at home and then RSL on the road. That's that's honestly. I mean, you gotta have you gotta have a better showing than that. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't know. Like they look so unfinished to me. Like it, it's really hard for me to make a kind of big distinction of. Um, I really can't draw conclusions on this yet. Like more well, so I don't, than I don't team, think I anyone look can. at this. Yeah, I, more so than any of these other teams, I look at this. I'm like, this is just this is a work in progress. This is this is a house that's halfway painted. Like, how am I gonna like be like this color sucks? Well, I mean, you look at the top five touch, uh, the guys with the top five touch percentage this year versus last year, and it's a completely different set of five names. Yeah. I mean, Felipe was a top. Uh, he was basically the the number one ball handler for Vancouver last year, not even in the top five this year. Right. <clears throat> That's not to say you know it, his roles changed on this on this club, and on top of that, you have guys that are facilitating new roles. There's just so much that's changing. Yeah, it's this is going to be a tough year for Vancouver, but I think at the end of the year, that last eight games of the season for Vancouver, that's going to be something to watch for. That yeah. is going to be a better barometer than probably your first 20 games. I would have to agree with that, at least because it buys my credibility time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to San Jose, another team that has been not so good at all this year. Zero points from three games. Um, not a ton of like stylistic differences passes are up a little bit uh 492 compared to 427 uh passes are up all the way around the league generally speaking by the way something else i learned today by yeah 20 percent year over year for the past uh five years uh oh that yeah that was like seven years but i mean even just last year to this year um so everyone's passing the ball a little more moving a little faster this game um crossings up um 25 over 18, but it's only like about an 0.87 increase uh, when you consider all the passes. Uh, Long balls are down. Short passes are up. Uh, It's just uh, not – it's – not enough has changed. (laughs) 
I don't know. Uh, it's not. It, it's different, but it's not like so different as that you would have expected something like a, a coach like this coming in that wanted to kind of rebuild. Yeah, right now their team itself is. <laughs> they need they they need a refresh. Look for what Almeida is doing. It obviously they he doesn't have the right personnel. Um, either he's yeah. not the right coach or they don't have the right personnel to implement his style. I'm not sure which it is, but either way, um, it's not great. It's not great so far. There's really like we kind of discussed the San Jose earthquakes at, at they, last time, so they I don't are feel the more, need to. They yeah. are more worrying than Vancouver in my mind. Much yes. more worrying. Yes, they look a lot less. Um, yes. I well, agree. there's no. I mean, like, look at it. Like from Vancouver's perspective, there's still things to get excited about. Every week, there are things that you can you can point to and say this was really exciting. Yeah, this exactly. is really interesting. Yeah. San Jose, it's just it, the fire's just kind of gotten bigger. There's just there's just Magnus Eriksson to look forward to, and maybe Wanda breaking that record. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. I'll be the good. Slow, the slowest winger in the league. Slow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> LA Galaxy. Let's uh, six points from three games. Uh, this is something we expect to see a big difference of. I will say there's a huge caveat here in these first three games because they've been without Zlatan for two of them. Uh, so that's obviously a huge part of how they play and who's going to be using the ball, who's going to be shooting, where he's going to be shooting from, which is just wherever he pleases. Um, so I don't, I don't really think this is a great deep look at it yet, but early signs kind of show, again, um, almost identical passing numbers to last year for totals. Um, more crossing for sure, uh, which is surprising because they crossed a lot last year. They were amongst the league leaders in that as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think they were very like left biased last year. They've kind of um, evened that out a little bit more, and they're definitely a little bit more right biased this year. So... Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Mm. I don't really have a lot here. Again, I think without slot in there, it's kind of hard to really make a big, um, sweeping statement. I I, I kind of disagree with you. And here's okay. why. Here, here here's Give why. It to me. Modus operandi. Mm-hmm. This, mo for the kids. For for the kids playing at home. Uh, mo the the way that this team this team is functionally yes they're the same passes same crosses but it's not the. The way that the, their crossing is different, it's a little bit more compact. They're getting guys forward. And then when they're passing, they're passing in the same, uh, very similar, I think, at least in my eyes, to what's happening in Dallas. I, they have three guys that are basically being interchangeable. And Jonathan Dos Santos has really stepped it up. Yeah, I, I feel like good. he's been really, really important to what they've been doing over the last. And Joe Corona has been really good. Um, Sebastian Legette's been really good. All three of those guys. Um, I, I, I'm I'm very excited because I think that the league needs uh, LA Galaxy to have some sort. They don't have to be great. They don't I have don't, to be the best no. team in the league. But I think for this league to be as intra, uh, to be its max interesting, you have to have the villains playing their role. And LA Galaxy to play villains like Jonathan Dos Santos, Sebastian Legette, and Zlatan, like those guys, kind of they're so cow chip on their shoulder type guys, even though like you know to go with me here, right? Like they, they, they picked it up. They they did. And that that's kind of fun. I I love that, and, and I'm really looking forward to them moving forward 
uh, as an organization, as a club. And I think that, yeah, they definitely need a striker, which is so ironic that we're saying that. Um, like six months ago, we felt like they had two really good ones, and now they both kind of aren't there. And not kind of, they, they just aren't. You know, as Zlatan with his injury, uh, Kamara with his transfer. So, um, you know, you're, you're left with Chris Pontius, who, what, Pontius is still, um, what, 30 years old, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, 31. He's not, he's I mean, he's a, a spring chicken. He's not a spring chicken, but he's, he's but, not yeah. done. Um, and I think he's he's functionally been exactly what they need. And I don't think that Zlatan's going to change a lot of that besides he he's going to shift defenses a little bit with how they mark him and how they incorporate him. But Zlatan's not going to continue to drop further into that uh, into that midfield to pick up the ball. Like he was yeah. last year at times, he's That's going true. to remain further. They're going to do less less wear and tear on his legs. So I, I think that you're going to continue to see um, these guys function the way that they are right now. Yeah. All right. Well, we have time for Atlanta, so let's let's I'm do sorry. it. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. We're gonna we're gonna. All right. Um, obviously, the big talking point is is how Atlanta has been. Uh, three games, two points, not what anybody expects, especially with two of those games at home. Um, there are some differences here. There are some differences. Uh, shots are down 31%. Outside the box shots are up 25% uh, percentagely. Um, passing is also up very high, 34% higher, 480.5. You would have thought Atlanta would have been, I don't know, I, I think even though I knew this because I probably looked at it last year, I, I would have said that would have been higher. Um, up to 645 passes a game this year. Uh, so a more slower, more methodical kind of play from Atlanta than the more incisive things that we saw last year kind of happen. Um, other than that, everything else, crosses are more or less about the same. Um, well, two, two, thi- two things that stand out to me, right, is yeah. they're, they're going to possess more. And yeah, yeah, they're yeah. going to possess more and build out from the back. And that's, that's just, that, that seems to be, and I know that's just, really incredibly vague but as a result of that you're going to have more shots taken from outside that 18 that's just intrinsic if you're not going to uh if you're not going to continue to break on teams and you're not going to catch them um in in that transition you're going to have to settle for more shots from outside the 18 yard box and i think that that's just that's not surprising to me that they're they're taking uh, effectively 25% more shots from outside. I think that's going to happen because the age of Tata and and the age of, you know, getting the ball to Joseph Martinez, you know, a dozen times a game on the break, it just, it probably is not going to happen anymore. You know, the biggest thing looking at what you kind of pulled here, and this is what fascinates me, is like actually these players um, that have the touch percentage. Like in 2018, your top five were Perez, um, the number two was Almiron, three was Escobar, four was Barco, five was Parkhurst. This year in the top three, you have Perez, Miles Robinson, and Ramidi. Um, and then Parkhurst and Breck Shea is probably the most attacking player you have in your top five uh, touches. Whereas last year, Almiron was a, a you know was the second highest and then was, was the, the kind of clearinghouse for everything. So this year, you're just seeing like a different kind of, I don't know, the best way to describe it. But, but the the... Attacking players aren't getting the touches that they were last year. Yeah, and I, I'm a little bit surprised that you were not seeing guys like Barco or Nagby in that in that listing for both of those guys to be under 10 percent for what they need to do for linking to that attack. 
Um, that's a little surprising to me. That was, that was one thing yeah. that I pulled up. So, uh, and again, uh, one other thing to add with, you know, shots from outside, Almiron found ways to get into that 18, like his ability to dribble and break down defenders was exceptionally good. And I think that's yeah. something that we kind of glossed over. Um, and I well, say we, as a community, right. His ability to break down, uh, and get into the 18 was, you know, we talked about his passing and his ability to dribble one-on-one and find space and, you know, la-di-da, um, but his ability in traffic to control the ball and then find a shot. I mean, the guy had over a hundred shots and the majority of them came from inside the 18. Yeah, he was, he was a special player. We, we see that now as he's doing very, very well in his new job. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he was great. You're not going to get that from PT, right? Like, it, that's not to take away from his talent. That's not to say PT's mm-hmm. a worse player. It's it's to say that's no, not he what he wants. Well, I, okay, so he is, but it's not to Which, like, that's be no critical. skin off his back. I mean, like, he, <laughs> lots of players are worse than Miguel Almiron. Nearly everyone in MLS is worse than Miguel Almiron. Right. Probably everyone, but that's fine. Um but yeah, it, it's a different thing, and this is a different style, and Atlanta fans are so far not pleased with what they've seen. And, um, yeah, team has not looked – there's not – I guess there. I don't – there's nothing in this that makes me think, oh, like there's this is a sleeping giant. Like this just looks kind of bad. It, a little bit. Um, again, and I said this week one, I'll say this again this week, uh, they have too much talent on their team to not be – towards the top in the east uh um, yeah. if if come june they're not um you know i i i'm gonna be kind of surprised and i'm sure there's gonna be there's gonna be at least rumblings of threatenings uh <laughs> right like people yeah, may yeah, not yeah. keep their keep their jobs type talking about but um look we got to remember the sounders have gone through this we've got to remember you know tfc went through this teams have gone through ups and downs and it, it, even with good good players on their team so um sometimes you recover sometimes you don't um yeah i i'm i'm more interested right now in uh how columbus and dallas are going to move forward uh how vancouver is going to shake out um those are my three really because i feel like both could go all three of those could go up or down yeah yeah for sure Atlanta will be fine we always say that they will be yeah they will be. well right. i mean even if they're not fine this year they're still going to, A, make the playoffs, and B, like, I, I'd be shocked if they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, it, That'd be something. That that would truly be, like, like bell ringing, oh my gosh, type moments. But you know that depending on if things don't go as, as planned this year, there's going to be huge shakeups oh, yeah, on that yeah, team, yeah, yeah. and they're going to spend money to get back to the top. This is absolutely, let, let's make no bones about it. While this is a salary cap league, you can spend the money to get the right players to get back into the race. Yeah, absolutely. It's always an option available to them. It's the privilege of Atlanta. All right, uh, that's it. We did it. We talked about tactics, sort of weirdly. I apologize for that. <laughs> we uh, <laughs> broke down some styles based on numbers and came to no real conclusions. Guys. Tune in every week for stuff like this. It's going to be fantastic. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, as always, uh, we'll be back next week, uh, probably, I think. How many MLS games do we have this Saturday or this weekend? Is it a lot? No, I don't just think, a couple? I, I have no idea. I Maybe honestly we have zero there. clue. 
Well, we'll watch the U.S. We'll we'll discuss. We'll we'll, we'll discuss what happened with Tyler uh, Adams at right back. That's I'm, what we'll do. I'm day. sure we'll have... tune in for the sequel to that thrilling conversation. <laughs> um, I uh, want to thank my uh, friend, my co-host Harrison. You can find him on Twitter uh, at Harrison underscore Crow. Um, you can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian. Um, you can uh, follow American Soccer Analysis on Twitter. That handle is at Analysis Evolved. We have a Facebook. I don't know how to get to it. Just search it American Soccer Analysis on Facebook it'll probably get us there um, thank you for listening uh, if you have time and you feel so inclined and you like the show please uh, take a moment to, to you know to do the podcast thing that we're going to ask you to do just uh, leave a review a nice one please not a bad one uh, rate five stars it's always the preferred one four is okay we'd prefer five anything less than four I, you know what are you doing just, just don't listen to the show I'm kidding we love you we appreciate your feedback um, that's it. Uh, we will see you next week. And until then, enjoy the soccer. One, two, I can keep a secret from my mama. I can keep a secret from my pa. I keep myself out of trouble. Oh, stay one step ahead of Keep it from my neighbors yeah, yeah, like they even can But I can't keep a secret from the guy at the store downstairs hey. It's the patronage of strangers That's keeping me from being broke to me, I don't know where it goes Because I never seem to save it I saw it wasted in her clothes But it's a mystery to you There's a guy at the store that knows Cause by
Yeah. <laughs>